All right, we've been using kind of the imagery of the outdoors a little bit the last few weeks. So we talked about being in a valley season for a couple of weeks, um, times when we're, we're just kind of stuck in a, in a hard valley that's not of our own making, and we're just kind of in trouble and we need help. Life circumstances have been difficult, um, whatever the case may be. We also talked about the types of valleys that, that we create through our own sin and error and mistakes, and, and God meets us there too, and he loves us enough to pick us up and rescue us when we're in trouble. And then we talked about mountaintop seasons where life is good and how we're meant to appreciate and enjoy those seasons, and, and they should spur us to have gratitude that lasts whether we're on the mountaintop or not because we can see God's faithfulness through every season. And, and how the one danger when we're on the mountaintop is either to get prideful and think we did something to get ourselves there, or we can get complacent and lose sight of the fact that the whole point of being on the mountaintop is, man, he's right there and I can enjoy it with him and I can communicate praise and gratitude towards him because of his faithfulness. So that's where we've been. So today, um, I'm tackling a really broad topic and there's no way to address every aspect of this, but we're going to look at three aspects of this. Um, we're kind of talking about all those in-betweens, you know, where most of real life happens, where we're just kind of hiking the trail of life. Not necessarily in a, in a bad low spot. I'm definitely not feeling like I'm on a mountaintop. I'm just kind of plodding along the trail. And, and that, if, if you're anything like me, that's where I live most of my life, is just that faithful step-by-step, moment-by-moment with him. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, specifically, we're going to look at, at three things that can happen along the way. We're going to look at when we're weary, hiking that trail, when we're injured, and when we're feeling defeated. Maybe we just are stuck. You know, we feel like we hit a wall or, you know, it feels more like a maze than a trail. You ever done one of those corn mazes? Did anybody do one this, this fall? I did not. Those are, I really like those though. They're a lot of fun. But you know, where you, you go through there and you just, you're stuck. You're at this like stop point. You're like, what do I do now? I got to turn around and go back. Just those, those times where we feel defeated or lost. And so that's where we're heading this morning. So let's start with Psalm 18. We've kind of been looking at these different Psalms of David at different seasons of his life. And there's just so much richness in this entire Psalm. We're just going to look at a handful of verses. We're going to look at verses 28 and 29. And then we're going to skip down to verse 33 and read 33 through 36. So here we go. Let's start by, by reading this together. For it is to you, or for it is you who light my lamp. Wow, let me start over. Lost my place already. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Verse 33. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You've given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. Your gentleness made me great. I love that line. Your gentleness made me great. It means he, he fathers us. He's patient with us, knowing, believing there's greatness in us that we don't even see in ourselves. Verse 36, you gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. Now, I would encourage you on your own to dig back through that. There's some rich stuff in there, but the, 
the overarching point of this is this idea that God has everything we need along the way. Everything we need. There's an enemy coming, he'll help me find strength to face the enemy. There's a huge obstacle in my way, he gives me the ability to leap over that wall that seemed impossible to leap over. I feel like I'm stumbling in the dark. Anybody ever feel that way on the trails of life where I just don't know what the right next step is? He, he lights my path. I have found it both encouraging and frustrating that the Bible uses in several places the analogy of him lighting our path with a lamp. I'm grateful because it means he lights my path. It can be a little discouraging because a lamp doesn't give off a whole lot of light. I would love to see way down the road, and he rarely gives me that. Usually, it's this. Okay, there's that step. Okay, there's that step. But I'm grateful. He, he lights our way. He gives us a lamp. He gives protection. He's, he's gentle with us. Um, he even helps me walk secure. There's times where I just, I need the flat ground for a little while. I need to catch my breath for a little bit. So he gives me a wide, safe place to walk. These are ways that God helps us as we navigate through the long journey of our life. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. <laughs> Don't you love that? By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. That snail probably had to set out on its journey years before the lion took <laughs> off to head to the ark. And I feel like I'm usually moving at a snail's pace through life. But God calls us to perseverance and gives us everything we need along the way. You know, the human body is, is uniquely made for long-distance travel. You may not feel that way about your body. I often don't about <laughs> mine. But we were designed for that. It's one of the ways that, like, our ancestors were those hunter-gatherers where they weren't faster necessarily than the prey they were after. They just warmed down. We're going to keep going and keep going and so we can trek, we can even, our body was actually more designed for long distance running than it was for sprinting. And so we were actually made in our biology for endurance. And it's a glimpse of, of the race we're all running, the trail that we're all on. We, we were made for the long haul of this life. And God said, I want you to know that I've not abandoned you to your own devices as you struggle through the various trials of this life. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm working on your behalf, and I'm going to give you what you need along the way. So that is, that is the general principle to hiking the trail, is that God is with us, and that whether we realize it or not, we can persevere more than we think. And by his strength, he sustains us through it. Now, at times along the way, we're going to hit these road bumps, these blocks. And so one way we might feel along the trail of life is weary. Anybody ever been there? I felt like I was a little bit in that place going into the holiday weekend. Um, a lot of times the holiday weekends don't fulfill that, and I'm even more weary on the other side. Um, I'm grateful this year was a little different. I feel a little rested and recharged. But, but weary, there's times where we're weary. So what do we do? How do we approach that? Start by taking a look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. This is Paul writing, and he says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
Listen, what he's saying is, even when things are good and we're on the right path and, and we're living the way God's called us to live, we can get tired and weary. And so he says the key thing is don't lose heart. Don't give up. I, I think sometimes when we're weary, we think we've failed in some way. What do you do when you're weary? Do you keep going and tough it out and beat yourself up? No, you rest. You rest, and then you get more strength for the rest of the road ahead. Weariness should trigger, I need a break. Um, now, what we don't do is give up and lie down and quit running altogether. We don't do that. We persevere. But weariness requires rest. And so we have that, that big picture view, that long-term view that says, man, I'm feeling a little weary, I'm feeling tired, but God, I'm not going to quit we get a little more insight on this from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31, I bet a lot of you could quote this with me here. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, He's saying that at any age or any place, place or phase of life, you can get weary. In fact, it's inevitable. The youngest, healthiest among us get worn out and tired. It's inevitable that you will be weary. So what do we do? Wait on the Lord. Rest. Slow down. But not just like physically slow down. He's saying true rest comes from me. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time unpacking this, but if you missed it, we did a whole series on Sabbath rest at the beginning of the summer. And if you find it a struggle in your life to slow down and get rest when you need to, I'd encourage you to go back, dive into some of that stuff. There are practical ways that we need to take care of ourselves. Ultimately, true rest is found in the presence of God. And so he says, wait and renew your strength. Let the Lord renew your strength. And then what does he say? Mount up. Let's go. In fact, you're going to be able to soar after he strengthens you. You're going to be able to run and not be weary. You're going to be able to walk and not faint. Now, that passage is, is familiar, I think, to many of us. Have many of you familiar with that? What I think is a little less familiar, and I don't know why we don't read it. Maybe it doesn't fit on the refrigerator magnet. I don't know. We don't read the two verses that precede it. And yet, they're so powerfully important because they describe why we can count on this happening. So let's bump back a couple verses and read verses 28 and 29. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Wow, I wish we would read that one a little bit more with those other two verses. He doesn't point to our ability to tough it out. He points to his. He says, hey, you get tired, you get weary, I don't. And then he reminds us of who he is. He doesn't just say, the Lord doesn't get weary. He says, the everlasting God the eternal one who always has been and always will be. 
He's saying, you can count on my consistency. I'm here and I don't get tired. No, he says, I'm the creator of the ends of the earth. This road you're walking, I made it. I know that road inside and out. And I know you because I made you. And I've got what you need. What my expertise is, is coming alongside those who are weak and giving them strength. That's what he's saying. That's his heart. And so my strength is increased by his strength. I, I would just challenge you, if there are times where you feel like you've tried to get rest and it doesn't take, I would just encourage you to consider, am I really resting in the Lord when I'm doing that? Now, th- there's a time and a place for just plop on the couch, hang with the kids, you know, catch your breath. There, there's a place for that. But somewhere in there, we've got to learn to be renewed by being in God's presence. Man, turn some worship music on and just, you can sing it or you can just soak in it. Let it take root in your heart. Spend a little time in prayer. Journal some thoughts that, God, I'm, I'm tired, I'm worn down, and, but you're reminding me that you're faithful and you're strong and you're with me. And, but get specific. Like I'm using general biblical terms, but like get real and specific of what's going on in your life. Get in, get in the word a little bit and be refreshed by it, energized by it. My strength increases by his strength. Yes, there are seasons of weariness. And yes, it's, it's not only okay, it's important to acknowledge that's what it is. I'm tired. And that happens. But I have a God who doesn't faint and doesn't grow weary. And I can rest in him. So let's do that when we're on the trail. I, I, this is, I mean, if you've been around for a while, you already know this is a big thing to me, but I feel like the church has done a really bad job at this. We've created a culture where you just pedal the metal, never stop, go, 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 and it's not right. Yes, we keep going. Yes, we endure. Yes, we don't lose heart, but we rest. In fact, God designed it into our very fiber. Right from the beginning, he was saying things like, on that seventh day, don't do anything. And he had to command it because we won't do it. And then somehow, even the church has lost sight of the fact that we're supposed to find rest in God. But let's rest in him. Let's be renewed by him. I I know we've spent time in this passage, but Psalm 23, we've kind of hit it two or three times over the last few weeks. But listen to it very specifically in this context, just verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Let him slow you down and find rest in his presence. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So there's rest. But that rest does something. He restores my soul. You know that you've found rest in the Lord when you don't just feel like you were rested, you feel like you were recharged. You feel like you were recharged. He recharges us. He gives us new energy. And what's the next line say? Then he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's hit the trail again, Jerger. Let's go. Rest, recharged, back on the trail. All right? Weary seasons. Let's learn to recognize them for what they are 
and slow down and find rest in him, in our Father. All right. Another potential wall we can, can hit along the way is we can get injured. We can get injured along the way. Now, this, this injury, there's all kinds of different ways it can play out. We'll look at a few examples in a moment. But I want to just give you a sense of this. I, I think, um, it, I hope it's evident as you just look at Jesus' life in general and read throughout the Gospels. But one picture of this is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 22. You can read through that on your own. But we just see him going like back to back to back. And he's, he's healing people. He's bringing refreshment, but he's, he's healing injury. And so he does everything from feeding the hungry disciples on the Sabbath um, as they're walking through the grain field. So he's kind of addressing the weariness there. But then he moves into healing those who are injured. He heals a withered hand on the Sabbath. In fact, he heals a demon-possessed man who's both blind and mute. So he brings physical healing. Somebody who has a, a hand injury, somebody who's blind and mute, he even deals with demon possession, demon oppression. He casts it out. Jesus operated like this, restoring broken, injured, hurting people. It was like a life mission. And so not only does he specifically do this work, but he contradicts the religious leaders of the day. The, the thinking of that day by the religious leaders is that if you were wounded, if you were sick, if you had a problem, chances were high that you deserved it. It was viewed as if your sin brought that on you, or maybe the sin of your parents brought that on you. That was the viewpoint. If you had leprosy, you earned it in some way. And so Jesus shattered those ideas. He spent time with those who were wounded and sick and injured, and he healed them. And then to drive the point home, he kept doing it on the Sabbath to really irritate the religious leaders. And they were accusing him of working on the Sabbath when the very point of Sabbath and rest was for people to be healed, for people to be restored. And so, so Jesus healed injured people. Now, one of the reasons I think he takes the time to point this out and sort of put it in the Pharisees' face isn't to shame them. I think Jesus is trying to help us see something. We misdiagnose problems. We misdiagnose them. And I think far too often in the church, we've assumed that the issue somebody's having is maybe they're just a little weary when actually they're injured. And you know the worst thing you could do to an injured person is tell them to get back up and start walking. If I've got a broken bone in my leg, the solution isn't walk it off. It's going to make it worse. The solution is it needs to be healed. It needs a touch. And so, yes, some of us are weary, and we just need a good rest and a good recharge, and we need to get off our rear ends and get walking again. But for some of us, that's not the issue. There's a wound. There's an injury. There's a deeper underlying issue going on. And unlike weariness, you cannot fix it with rest alone. We need a healing touch from God. And thank God, our Father in heaven, that he's the great physician, that he is a healer. Jesus is concerned for those who are ill, and he wants them to be made well. 
I want, I want to read a little bit of a lengthy passage here. I'm not going to unpack all of it, but I just want us to hear it. And then we're really just going to look at verses 3 and verse 7. So you can maybe take note of those as we're reading through. This is again from the prophet Isaiah. The reason I'm reading this passage is Matthew quotes it in Matthew 12 that I was just referencing when Jesus is doing all these miraculous things and healing people. And Matthew sees all of it and goes, this is evidence of Jesus fulfilling this prophecy in Isaiah. So he quotes a couple verses. We're going to read a few more. But he's saying Jesus is doing this. He's fulfilling what Isaiah wrote about right here. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold. Okay, so I wasn't going to unpack all this, but behold means get a hold of it. Pay attention. Don't miss it. There's something special to see. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. That's Jesus. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. That's probably most of us in this room. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. When we are wounded and injured, he doesn't tell us to tough it out. He's gentle. And he doesn't discard something that seems broken and useless now. We're all broken. We're all in need of a healing touch. And that's what he brings. A bruised reed, think about that. We're just talking about like a little, like a blade of grass. It's just snapped over. Oh, a bunch more will grow up in its place. No big deal. Not to Jesus. You're more than that. You're not some little blade of grass that gets missed along the way. He stoops down to this broken reed and he actually fixes it. He puts it back in place. He wraps a bandage around it. He, he lets it heal and find new strength. He doesn't discard it. Thank God that in our brokenness and in our wounding, he doesn't give up on us. He views us as worthy of his healing touch. And so he doesn't blow out a flame that's starting to die. He takes care of it. He fosters it. He brings forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. I might be, but he won't. Till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. In other words, hey everybody, listen up. <laughs> if the sky's over your head and you walk this earth and you're one of the people that has breath in your lungs, God's spirit is there to fill you with life and he wants you to hear this. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. How does he heal us? Three specific ways. Physical healing, bondage to sin, and those who are feeling oppressed or depressed. That's the picture painted here. Physical healing, healing from those who feel stuck and trapped in sin, 
and those who are just oppressed. Could be a demonic thing. It could just be a sense of just, man, I'm just depressed. I'm down. I can't, can't shake it. I, I can tell you guys, I have experienced this kind of specific healing in my life. I, I had a period that I kept blaming on being weary and thinking I was just tired. And I began to realize there was no rest that was fixing that wound. And I just kept trudging along and trudging along. And it just didn't seem to get any better. And it took me a long time to realize I was misdiagnosed by myself even. I'm thinking I just need to do the good Christian thing. I'm on staff at a church. I just got to keep going. And God the whole time is going, no, buddy, there's a little more going on here. You're wounded. You're hurt. You're in need of healing. And it took a, a while for me to wake up and realize I need help. I actually have an injury that God needs to heal. It's affecting my ability to, to trust him. It's affecting my ability to do the things I feel called to do, but I just don't have it. And I, I won't go into it all here. I've preached a sermon on this before, but I, I went through a season of counseling and getting real help because I, I was depressed. And I can tell you, God used a variety of things to heal me along the way. There were, there were knowledgeable people who helped counsel me through it. There was support and love from friends and family big time. And ultimately, my heavenly father began to heal a wound that had developed in my heart. And he healed me. And he touched my life. He changed my life. And not only did I get back a relationship with him that I felt like was waning and stagnant, I don't want to say it was better than it ever was before, but it, it grew into something else, like special and unique. I realized, God, like you'll see me through even some of the hardest seasons. I can count on you. And, and I, I watched him heal me. I looked back in gratitude. God, you touched my life. You took this broken, injured guy who just thought I had to tough it out, and you slowed me down enough to say no. You need the physician's touch. And thank God I had some people that could look at me and go, you need this. I'll never forget, I sat in my friend Jimmy's office, and he goes, hey, let me just read you this list. And he just started reading this list. I didn't know what he was reading, but it was a list of like the seven or eight things that kind of let you know, like, you're depressed. <laughs> and when I got to the seventh one, I was like, I've agreed to every, like, every one of those is me. And he's like, hey, dude, you need help. And thank God, he heals. Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's our Heavenly Father. That's our Jesus. He cares for the brokenhearted and the wounded. He doesn't tell a broken leg to get up and get walking. He comes along and he heals and he restores. Now, when we're injured... We need repair. We also need rehab. 
there is step two. When we're injured after repair, we need rehab. In Luke 18, or sorry, man, I'm having a hard time reading this morning. What's going on? Luke chapter 5, verses 18 through 25, we see an example of something that Jesus did often. Often, when Jesus healed somebody, he immediately gave them an action step. Over and over again, we see it. In this particular story, it's the story of those faithful friends who lower their friend through the roof, who's the paralytic, and set him down in front of Jesus. It's that story. And Jesus does a couple really cool things I love in that story. Number one, he forgives the guy's sins, and then he heals him of his paralysis. Because when Jesus heals, he does it all the way. He heals spirit, soul, and body. And so he forgave him his sins, he healed him, and then Jesus instructed him to do something. He said, pick up your mat and walk. See, while he doesn't tell us to tough out an injury, he heals us so that we can get back to walking. He can put our feet back on solid ground and we can start walking again. And so he rehabs us. Listen, some of us have experienced injury and God has begun to heal us. And if we're not careful, we can just accept that I'm just going to be stuck as this broken person the rest of my life. And that's, that's not the case. I might be marked by my injury. I, I carry some battle scars. Anybody else? But I'm walking again. And so he doesn't leave us there. And so some of us, he wants us to find new strength on the other side of our weakness because he's healed us and he wants to get us walking again. And so now what's happened is we might have some weakness that's there, but it's from lack of use for a while, not because I'm still hurt. I'll never forget this. When I had, had knee surgery, I was shocked. I mean, babe, wasn't it the weirdest thing? My right thigh, in like just a couple of weeks from like not walking, was like half the size of this thigh. It was, it was weird. Like it looked like I was looking at somebody else's leg. Just the muscle had just atrophied so quickly. And one of the things they said after surgery is like, the next day, you need to be in rehab. You need to be in physical therapy. You can't wait. You got to get started. And so there was this moment where I, I get to the rehab place and they've got kind of like a tile floor like this and I'm sitting on a chair and, you know, I'm hobbling in there with my brace and everything. So we get the brace all off. It's like, okay, I'm about to start moving this leg again. Great. We're going to get this thing back to strength. And I sit down in the chair and they put a little like washcloth under my foot on the ground. And, and so I'm sitting and my foot's kind of out here and they're like, okay, just pull your foot back to yourself. And I couldn't pull my foot like this. And I thought, oh man, I am in for a much bigger process than I realized. I couldn't even slide my foot on the ground back to myself. Now, if I didn't have the expertise of physicians and therapists to let me know, I would think maybe my knee's still messed up. No, it's not injured anymore. I got to build back up some strength. I got to get moving. I got to rehab. And so I had to do the work. And man, it's miserable. And it hurts. But it's a different kind of pain than a wounded pain. It's, it's the pain that leads to new strength and growth. And so along the way, I just have to say to you, if you've been injured, you need to acknowledge it. And you need to pursue health. Ask Jesus to heal you. Let God bring people into your life 
who can walk you through that healing process. That's why we're a body. We work together. We bear one another's burdens. But somewhere along the way, and you, you can only know this if you're having conversations with the Father, to know I'm now moving from being injured to just needing to rebuild some strength. And it's time to get walking again. And God, it might be difficult, it might be hard, but I know you're with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I mean, it sounds like they're describing physical therapy right there. Yes, there is a discipline. And yes, you make the path a little easier, right? Like I got to build back some strength, but I got to get moving. And so God will do that. He will walk us through this. So when I'm weary, I need to rest and be recharged in God's presence. When I'm injured, I need to be repaired. And then I need to give myself to the rehab process so I can get walking again with him. Amen? Y'all good for five more minutes? Okay. Number three, when I'm defeated, when I'm defeated. I have to say this is a little bit of like a, a misnomer here, I guess, because can I just tell you, you're never defeated? You're never defeated. You can give up, but you're never defeated. That's the beauty of our God. We can feel like we are stuck and we have blown it or there's no way out or I've hit a wall. But in his kingdom, we are never defeated. In fact, often what we think is defeat is actually the very process he's taking us through to victory. There's one thing that does need to be defeated. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? we should actually expect to experience suffering associated with loss because we're learning how to die to ourselves because his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. In his kingdom, the king dies so everybody else can live. But now, in my life, the way to experience life is to die. Do you ever think about the, the imagery of water baptism? Where, where you're ducked under the water and brought back out? It, it's, it's a picture of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, but it's also a picture of what's happening in our life now. I am dying to an old way of living, and I am raising again into a new life with Jesus. 
That is a miracle that he does in a moment, and it's a journey you're going to walk for a lifetime. That's, that's the truth. And so often, moments that we think are defeat are moments that God's looking at going, man, this is the step to victory. Because every time a little part of you is dying, there's new life coming on the other side of it. And so recognize, God, the only thing I could really mess up is by quitting. I love this quote. This is by Kenneth Osbeck. He wrote a few books. Several of them are are where he explored the stories that were behind famous hymns that we have and kind of what led people to write them. But this quote by Kenneth Osbeck says, God's call to each believer is to be obedient and faithful, not to seek a life of earthly success. Difficulties and defeats are a normal part of every Christian's life. Our response to negative situations can either shatter us or they can intensify our perseverance and confidence in a sovereign God. It has been said that the mark of a champion athlete is not how he or she responds to a victory, but how a difficult loss on a previous day has been met. For those of you a little older, you might remember a famous Michael Jordan commercial from like maybe the late 80s, early 90s. And instead of it highlighting all the championships he'd won, the commercial was a list of all the ways he had lost. I was cut from my sophomore high school basketball team. I've missed 900-something shots in my career. I've done, he listed every failure. And then he says at the end, and that's why I succeed that we would find some endurance and some strength in our God that recognizes even our biggest moments of what appears to be a failure or a loss or a defeat is another way that God is going to show off his redemptive power in our lives. In my weakness, he's strong. There is no real defeat. When I stumble, when I fall, when I have a defeat in life, if I recognize this as an opportunity to persevere, he brings new life on the other side. This list is massive. I'm just going to read a few. The amount of historical successes who have persevered through failure and discouragement and defeat is massive. Henry Ford, he went broke five times before he succeeded in business. The great dancer and movie star Fred Astaire He took a screen test at MGM Studios in 1933. A studio memo reported that he was slightly bald, could not act, and could dance a little. The family of Louisa May Alcott, the great author who wrote the book Little Women, y'all know that book? They thought she should abandon the idea of being a writer and become a seamstress instead. And a newspaper fired Walt Disney for a lack of ideas. (laughs) Just a list of a few failures in this life. We laugh now because we see the success. But when you're in it, Walt Disney didn't know all that was coming. When you're in it, that's what feels real. But with our God, thank God for him because he sees above and beyond all that we can see. And so in our moments of defeat or failure, it's God I'm here, and I know that you're here with me. I'm believing and trusting that. God, would you be present in this defeat? Would you help me get back up and start walking again? God, would you help me to have an attitude of perseverance 
This is what Paul was writing about, and he wrote it in several places, but here in Philippians chapter 3, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what you do when you feel defeated? You get up, you dust off, and you keep going. Because in his kingdom, we don't have to hold on to regrets. His mercy and his grace gives us a fresh start. And so we keep going. Maybe I need to relearn something, but I don't need to waste a bunch of time regretting. In a defeat, I get up and keep going. Guys, let's keep hiking the trail. And as needed, if you're weary, find rest in him and let him recharge you. If you're injured, see it for what it really is. Seek his help and his healing. Raise your hand and ask for help. And then don't lie down and live there. Rehab, get walking again, get moving. If you've hit a dead end, you've hit a wall, you feel defeated or stuck, dust off, get up and keep going. You can persevere because the God who is never weary or tired is for you and with you and his spirit is in you. Amen? Thank you, Father, for your great love for us. Thank you, God, that the truth is, I mean, there is a final destination, eternity with you. But God, the truth is, in this life, there's not some moment we're to arrive at. We're on a lifelong journey with you. And God, I thank you that along the way, you will refresh us. God, when we get hurt along the way, you will heal us. And Lord, when we feel defeated or stuck, you can unstuck us and help us persevere and keep going. God, I thank you that every bit of this is reliant on your character your strength, your wisdom. And God, because of that, you get the glory. Thank you that we get to walk through life with you, that we are not alone. Father, I pray that we wouldn't act like we're alone, that we would remember that you are our good father who is always with us and always for us. And that more and more our default setting would be to turn to you no matter what season of life we're in. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.